The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 4, Chapter 7. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Argreta, describes how the Most Holy Mary prepared the swaddling clothes and the linens for the Divine Infant with ardent longings to see Him born. 438. The Divine Pregnancy of the Mother of the Eternal Word had already far advanced. Although she knew that the necessary coverings and linens for the time of her childbirth must be provided, she wished to proceed in all things with the fullness of heavenly prudence. Therefore, fulfilling all requirements of an obedient and faithful handmaid, she presumed to arrange nothing without the permission and consent of the Lord and of her holy spouse. Although she could have acted for herself in such matters as pertain to her office of chosen mother and of her most holy son, she would not undertake anything without speaking to St. Joseph. Therefore she said to him, My master, it is time that we prepare the things necessary for the birth of my most holy son. Although his majesty wishes to be treated as one of the children of men, humiliating himself and suffering with them, yet it is just that we acknowledge him as our God and as our true King and Lord by rendering him our devoted service, and by making careful provision for his wants as an infant. If you give me permission I will begin to prepare the coverings and linens for his protection and shelter. I have already woven with my own hands a piece of linen which may serve as his first swaddling clothes. And do my master, seek to procure some woolen cloth of a soft texture and a humble color from which I may prepare other coverings, and later on I will weave a seamless tunic appropriate for him. In order to avoid any mistake, let us offer special prayers asking His Highness to govern and direct us in the right way, so that we may know His will and fulfill His pleasure. 439. My spouse and lady, if it were possible to serve with my own heart blood my Lord and God and thus fulfill your commands, I would be willing to shed it amid most atrocious torments and as I cannot do this, would that I had great riches to buy the most costly textures in order to offer them to you on this occasion. Do give your orders as you see fit, for I will serve you as your servant. Both of them betook themselves to prayer, and each separately heard the answer of the Lord, repeating what the Sovereign Queen had already heard many times, and, which now was said in her hearing and that of Saint Joseph. I have come from heaven to the earth in order to exalt humility and discredit pride, to honor poverty and contemn riches, to destroy vanity and establish truth, and in order to enhance worthily the value of labor. Therefore it is my will that exteriorly you treat me according to the humble position which I have assumed, as if I were the natural child of both of you, and that interiorly you acknowledge me as the Son of my Eternal Father, and bestow the reverence and love due to me as the Man-God. 440. Encouraged by this divine voice to seek the wisest course in the rearing of the infant God, Most Holy Mary and Joseph conferred with each other in what way they might conceal the most noble and perfect worship which was ever given to the true God by His creatures, beneath the treatment which in the eyes of the world was due to a natural child of them both. For this was to be the opinion of the world, and such a conduct the Lord himself had enjoined upon them. 
Having therefore come to an agreement they lived up to this command of the Lord in such perfection that they were the admiration of all heaven, and further on, I will say more of this. They both concluded that according to the limited means allowed them by their poverty they were to expend whatever they could afford in the service of the infant God without going into excess or failing in anything, for the sacrament of the king was to be concealed in humble poverty, though at the same time they wished to exercise their burning love as far as was possible. St. Joseph, in exchange for some of his work, accepted two pieces of wool and cloth such as his heavenly spouse had described the one white, the other mulberry-colored mixed with gray, both of them of the best quality he could find. Of these the heavenly queen made the first little dresses of her most holy son, while she prepared the swathing clothes and shirts from the piece of linen which she herself had spun and woven. Being woven by such hands, it was a most delicate piece of cloth. She had commenced work upon it from the day of her entrance into their house at Nazareth, for she had intended it for the temple as a present. Although it could now serve for another much higher purpose, nevertheless, she offered whatever remained of it after she had completed the furnishings of the infant God as a gift to the temple of Jerusalem, according to her original intention. All the articles and coverings necessary for her divine infant the great lady prepared with her own hands, and while she sewed and trimmed them she shed tears of ineffable devotion remaining continually on her knees. St. Joseph gathered such flowers and herbs as he could find from which, together with other aromatic materials, the zealous mother extracted fragrant essences. With these she sprinkled the sacred vestments of the victim of sacrifice which she awaited, then she folded and laid them away in a chest, in which she afterwards took along with her, as I shall relate farther on. 441. All these doings of the Princess of Heaven are to be thought of, and estimated, not as being without life, nude and bare, as I represent them here, but of incomparable grace and loveliness, full of sanctity and exalted merit, of a greater perfection than human intellect can comprehend, because she performed all these works as the Mother of Wisdom, and as the Queen of all virtues. In preparing for the appearance of the most holy humanity of her Son in this world, she celebrated the dedication of the living temple of God. The Sovereign Queen understood better than all the rest of creation the ineffable greatness of the mystery of the incarnation of a God and of His coming into the world. Not in a spirit of doubt, but inflamed by love and veneration, she repeated many times the words of Solomon when he built the temple. How is it possible that God should dwell with men on earth? If all the heavens, and the heaven of heavens cannot comprehend you, how can this human body contain you, which is formed in my womb? But if the temple of Solomon, which served only as a place in which God should hear the prayers within it, was built and dedicated with such lavish expenditure of gold, silver, treasures and sacrifices, what should not the mother of the true Solomon do for the building up and the dedication of the living temple, Colossians 2 9, where was to dwell the plenitude of the true divinity, the eternal and incomprehensible God? All these innumerable sacrifices and treasures of the figurative temple, most holy Mary duplicated not in gold, silver, or rich texture, since God sought no such riches in the living temple but in heroic virtues and in canticles of praise, 
by which she made fruitful and extolled the graces and gifts of the Most High. She offered up the sacrifice of her burning love, and ransacked all the holy writings for hymns, canticles, and psalms to praise and magnify this mystery, adding thereto the expression of her own exalted sentiments. In a mystical and yet altogether real manner she fulfilled the ancient figures and types by her virtues and by her interior and her exterior acts. She called upon and invited all the creatures to praise their God, to give honor and glory to their Creator, and place the hope of their sanctification in His coming into the world. In many of these exercises her spouse, the most fortunate and blessed Joseph, took part. 442 no human tongue can describe, and no created understanding can reach the sublime height of merit which the princes of heaven attained, and the degree of pleasure and complacency which they afforded the Most High. If the least degree of grace, which any creature merits by an act of virtue, is more valuable than all the created universe, what treasures of grace did she not gain, whose acts exceeded in value not only all the sacrifices, offerings and holocausts of the old law and all the merits of the human race, but far excelled also those of the highest seraphim. The loving extremes of the heavenly lady in hoping to look upon her son and true God, to receive him in her arms, nourish him at her breast, tend him with her own hands, converse with him and serve him and adore him, who was made man from her own flesh, reached such a pass that in the ardors of love she would have breathed forth her spirit and have been consumed if she had not been preserved from dissolution, assisted and strengthened by the miraculous intervention of that same God. Yes, many times would she have lost her life, if it had not been preserved by her most holy Son, for many times she saw him in her virginal womb and with divine clearness she saw his humanity united to his divinity observed the interior acts of that most holy soul, the conditions and postures of his body, the prayers offered up by him for her, and for St. Joseph, and for all the human race, especially for the predestined. All these and other mysteries were open to her, and in perceiving them she was altogether inflamed with the desire of imitating and exalting him, since she bore within her the devouring fires which illuminate yet do not consume, Exodus 3-2. 443. Amidst this conflagration of divine love she spoke sometimes to her most holy Son. My sweetest love and creator of the universe! When shall my eyes enjoy the light of thy divine countenance? When shall my arms be consecrated as the altar of the victim, which is awaited by the Eternal Father? When shall I kiss the earth trodden by your divine feet? And when shall I as your mother gain the coveted kiss of my beloved, Canticles 11, so that I may inhale your own spirit from the flow of your breath? When shall you, the inaccessible light, the true God of the true God, light of the light, John 1 9, manifest yourself to us mortals after so many ages of concealment from our view? When shall the children of Adam laden with the guilt of their sins know their Redeemer, Baruch 3.38, see their salvation, and welcome in their midst their teacher, their brother and their true father. O light of my soul, my strength, my beloved, for whom dying I live. Son of my womb, how can I fulfill the office of a mother since I know not how to fulfill the duties nor merit the name of even a slave?
How shall I be able to treat you worthily, who am a vile and insignificant poor worm? How can I serve and administer to you, since you are sanctity itself and infinite goodness and I only dust and ashes? How can I dare to speak before you, or stand in your presence? Will you master of my being who has chosen me the little one among the other daughters of Adam, govern my conduct, direct my desires and inflame my affections, in order that I may please you with all my powers? And what shall I do, my only delight, since you are to issue from my womb into the world in order to suffer affronts and death for the human race, if at the same time I shall not be allowed to die with you and accompany you in your sacrifice? Since you are my life and my being, let the same cause and motive that brings about your death bring about also mine, for they are united as if they were one and the same. Less than your death will suffice to save the world, yes thousands of worlds, let me die instead of you, and let me suffer your humiliations, while you by your love and light, sanctify the world and enlighten the darkness of mortals, and if it is not possible to revoke the decree of the Eternal Father, which requires that redemption be abundant, Ephesians 2-4, and your excessive charity be satisfied. Look graciously upon my desires and let me take part in all the labors of your life, since you are my Son and Lord. 444. The variety of these and other sweetest sentiments of love uttered by the Queen made her most beautiful in the eyes, Esther 2-9, of the Prince of the Eternities, who was enshrined in the virginal chamber of her womb. All her interior movements were conformable to the actions of that most sacred and deified humanity, for as a worthy mother of such a son she closely observed them as models for her imitation. Sometimes the infant God would place himself on his knees in order to pray to the Father or assume the position of one crucified, as if in order to exercise himself therein beforehand. From that retirement, as even now from the highest throne in heaven, he looked upon and comprehended, by the science of his most holy soul, all that he knows even at this day, and no creatures of the present, past or future, with all their thoughts and actions, was hidden from his view. To all things he attended as the Lord and Redeemer. Since these mysteries were manifest also to his heavenly mother and since she was also endowed with all the graces and gifts necessary for acting in concert with him, she brought forth such great fruits of sanctity, that no human words can ever describe them. But if we were not perverted in our judgments, and if we were not hardened as stone, we would find it impossible, at the sight and experience of these vast and admirable works, to remain untouched by loving sorrow and thankful acknowledgement. The instruction which the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Most Holy Queen, gave to me. 445. The lesson of this chapter my daughter should be, that you bear in mind with what reverence you must handle all the things consecrated and devoted to the divine service, and at the same time estimate how reprehensible is the irreverence with which the ministers of the Lord offend in their disregard for the sacred objects. They should not forget or slight the indignation of His Majesty against them for the gross discourtesy and ingratitude, which they ordinarily show by handling the sacred ornaments and objects of worship without attention and respect.
and much greater is the anger of the Lord against those who possess the incomes or stipends of his most sacred blood, if they waste and squander them in vile vanities and indecent profanities. They seek for their sustenance and convenience what is most costly and valuable, while for the honor and worship of the Lord they are satisfied with what is most cheap, common and ordinary. When this happens, especially in regard to the linens, which touch the body and blood of my most holy Son, such as corporals and purificators, I wish you to understand that the holy angels, that assist at the most exalted and sublime sacrifice, are as it were struck with horror and cover their eyes at the sight, full of astonishment that the Most High bears with them and suffers such boldness and presumption. Although not all offend in this, yet there are many. Few distinguish themselves in outward respect and care at the divine cult, or treat the sacred objects with due reverence. They are the smaller number and even they do not all have the pure intention, not observing this due respect out of reverence, but out of vanity and for other human ends. Thus they who adore and worship their Creator in the spirit of truth and with a pure and upright intention have become very scarce. 446. Consider my dearest, what should be our sentiments when on the one hand we reflect on the incomprehensible being of God, who in his goodness has created us for his honor and worship, establishing this as the very law of our nature and of all the created universe. And when on the other hand, we see with what ingratitude men correspond to the gifts of the most liberal creator by withholding from his service the very things intended for it, reserving for their own vanities the most costly and valuable, and applying for their creator only the most valueless and despicable of this world. This fault is seldom thought of and recognized, and therefore I wish not only that you deplore it with true sorrow, but also that you make reparation for it as far as possible during the time in which you are superioris. Give to the Lord of the best, and instruct your religious that they attend with a sincere and devout heart to the keeping in order and the cleaning of the sacred articles and this not only for their own convent, but also by seeking to furnish other poor churches with the corporal's investments of which they stand in need. Let them be convinced that the Lord will repay their holy zeal for his worship, and that he will relieve their poverty and the necessities of their convent like a father, and that thereby it will never become poorer. This is the most appropriate occupation and legitimate business of the spouses of Christ, and in this they ought to consume their time, which may remain after fulfilling the obligations of the choir and other duties of obedience. If all the religious would busy themselves purposely in these honorable, praiseworthy and agreeable occupations, they would never suffer any want, and they would maintain an angelic existence in this life. Because they do not attend to this service of the Lord, many of them, forsaken by the hand of God, turn toward the dangerous levities and distractions, which on account of their vileness, I do not wish you to describe or consider except to deplore them from your heart and to avert such displeasure and offense against God. 
447. But because I have a special reason to look with favor upon the inmates of your convent, I wish that in my name and by my authority, you admonish and lovingly urge them always to live retired and dead to the world, with unbroken forgetfulness of all that passes within it. That among themselves their conversation be of heaven, and that above all, they preserve intact the mutual peace and love, to which I have exhorted you so often, Philippians 3.20. If they obey me in this, I offer them my protection, and I will constitute myself their mother, their help and defense in the same way as I am yours, and I will also promise them my continual and efficacious intercession with my most holy son, if they do not displease me. For this purpose you should exhort them to continual love and devotion toward me, engrafting it in their hearts, in being thus faithful they will attain all that you wish for them, and much more, for I will obtain it for them. In order that they may occupy themselves with joy and cheerful readiness in preparing things for the divine worship, and gladly undertake all that pertains to it, remind them of all that I did in the service of my most holy son and of the temple. I desire that you understand that the holy angels were full of admiration at the zeal, careful attention and neatness with which I took charge of all that belonged to the service of my Son and Lord. This loving and reverent anxiety caused me to prepare all that was necessary for his rearing up beforehand, so that I was never in want of anything necessary for clothing him and administering to his comfort, as some have thought, for my prudence and love would not permit any negligence or inadvertence in this regard.